this morning. I have really enjoyed uh, the worship as we have uh, worshiped with our singing, our giving, but um, really sensed, even in our prayer time, that the real presence of the Lord with us today. It's interesting because we have the presence of the Lord in us, but we also tangibly step into the presence of the Lord. And so Jesus was talking about there come a time that I'd be in you and you'll be in me. So we're in Christ, but then Christ is in us. So there's this uh, desire that we have to understand the Lord and to know who he is. Even in the songs that we were singing this morning, uh, that last song, Waymaker, it says that is who you are. And, and so many times in our life, uh, before we find Jesus, even after, we get into trouble because we try trying to figure out who we are. And you can never really figure out who you are until you know who he is. And in life, you know, as believers in Jesus, we, we go through things in life that we begin to redefine uh, who God is by what we see, what we experience, what other people say, or what happens around us. And that always gets us into trouble. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3 this morning, uh, just a couple of comments uh, to begin. We find God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. They, if you want to describe the Garden of Eden, it's, it was about being in the presence of God all the time. Nothing restrictive within the communication with the Lord. In Genesis chapter 3, we find verse 5, the lie comes from the enemy. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't touch that, that fruit on that tree because God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, reality was, truth was, they were already like God. But the seed of sin was sown with this thought. God is holding out on me. God's not for me. He's against me. There's something better than what God has for me. There is nothing better for us than what God has for us. That is truth. But that is the, the cry that comes out. And um, as they went out from the presence of the Lord out of the garden that day, you can go right through the scriptures and find that God's desire and heart is that we would dwell with him that we would never be alone, that his presence would always be with us. Last week we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. That was, a, that was a celebration of the Holy Spirit coming on the scene to, to not be restricted or limited by geographical location. I was texting with another pastor this morning and he was just saying, have a great day, and I'm going, isn't it awesome that the Holy Spirit can be with you and me at the same time? Isn't it amazing that when you go home today that the Holy Spirit can go with you and he can go with us? That's why Jesus said it is better if I go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. There's something about the presence of God because we cry out when adversity comes and challenges come. We cry out and we say, does God see what's going on in my life? And we ask the same question, is he holding out on me? Does he hear my cry when I pray? Is my prayer going anywhere? Does he hear it? The word cry means a shrill sound expresses an expression of pain 
or grief. And when we're crying out in pain, we have to be able to answer the question, does God hear and know that he does? Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come before you today and we ask that you would speak to each one of us. We know that the Holy Spirit is the teacher and it's not so important what we say, but what you say to people. So Father, we ask that the hearts that are ready and prepared to hear you today, you'll speak to them, encourage them, lift them, and open their eyes to a revelation of who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes we look around and we say, God, do you care? And I want to talk to you about the fact that he does care today. You know, we say, uh, all I see is the negative. Sometimes, you know, I, I have a little bit of a negative bent. And uh, I can see the good side, but oftentimes I have to struggle to get past the negative side. That maybe that's just me, but uh, I, I, have to, I have to watch that. Um, Maybe it's the fact that we see things not quite the way we wanted to see them. Not the way we thought they would turn out. Not the way we would like them to be. And we wonder, does, does God care? This message comes out of a conversation with a, a student who was with us uh, for a time. And, it, and uh, they moved on to the city here. But um, I was having a conversation with them just in our kitchen last year, and uh, I was asking him about his job and asking him if he really realized that God was making a way for him, and I was congratulating him on the job that he had, and I said, you know, you're there for a purpose, right? And his eyes kind of went blank and glassy. And I, I knew that we had a disconnect. So I backed up, and I said, well, you know God cares about you, right? And he gave, me the right, or he gave me the right answer. Do you know the difference between the right answer and the real answer? The right answer is theologically correct. The real answer is how you really think and feel. And we can say amen to something that we see here, but we will act upon what we believe here. So that began a little bit of a journey, and a message came out of that that I want to share with you today, because... In Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, we find the children of Israel who have been delivered out of Egypt, they've come out of their past, come out of captivity, a life of slavery, and God has delivered them. And they've seen many miracles you know, as they were released from Egypt, and then they saw more miracles as they came out and crossed the Red Sea. But in Numbers 14, verse 1, we find the not all that happy. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Verse 2, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only, can you say if only? Boy, that's a trap. If only I had, if only they had, if only they would, if only, have to watch that. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. We don't like what God picked. We're going to pick our own and let's go back. You know what they didn't trust? After everything God had done, they didn't trust that they could protect him. They didn't think that God would look after them. They didn't think he could trust God. 
And so they want to take matters into their own hand. And that story is not an old story. It's a continuous story. Whenever we get to the place that we don't believe in our heart that God really cares, time again, they chose to serve other gods, and many times so do we. Here's the question. Do you believe this morning that God cares? Now, we know the, re- we know the right answer, correct? Today, I want to challenge a little bit the real answer of your heart, and I want to show you some things in the Scripture, and I want to show you the fact that we talk about God never changes. But sometimes we live life as if he does. The presence of God, God wanting us to dwell in his presence and his presence in us is not a new thought. It's not a New Testament thought. The prophets declared and God said, I'm going to take out a heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh. I'm going to place my spirit in you so you can do my will. The only way we can do the will of God, the only way we can walk in obedience is because he placed his spirit in us. Because the Spirit empowers us to do what He's called us to do. And of course it's impossible without the Spirit. Because Paul said, you are not without the Spirit. You have the Spirit. So now the issue is, can the enemy lie to us? He's lied to all of us. He's lied to all of us. God does carry. Isaiah chapter 46 Isaiah chapter 46, verse 3 and 4 says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me, listen to this, upheld by me me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age I am he. Well, that's everybody. That's the ones that haven't been born yet, still in mama's womb. I don't know if anybody's pregnant and got a little one on the inside. Uh, And then the other ones on the other side were the ones with the gray hair or no hair. And uh, God says that he carried us in our mother's womb all through life to our old age. Why do you carry someone? Because you care. Caring comes out of care. I remember we had our first child, and I remember picturing, you know, sometimes you hold them in your arm, and after a little while, it kind of gets a little sore, right? But can you imagine if if you were in a very dangerous spot, and if you let go of that child... Uh, that they would fall to their death. Um, my arm would fall off before I would uncrook that arm because I care. I would give my own life for that child rather than let go. Jump into what words of Jesus. If you then, being evil, and I love the translation, says in comparison to God, how much more? God. And there's a lot of things you know, in the New Testament that you can fill in the blank. How much more God would give? How much more God would love? How much more God would bless? How much more God would forgive? How much more God would love you? This word carry means to lift, hold up, help, accept, advance. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear you. Even I will carry and I will deliver you. Does God change? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? He has not changed. This is God's heart. This is his intention. This is not what people say about God. This is what God says about himself. This is who I am. This is who I am. That's what God says. We want to say, that is who you are. 
That is who you are. I know you care, but God, do you care? Oh, my, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 38 to 41. The disciples are with Jesus. They're in the boat. They're crossing the Sea of Galilee. A storm comes up. Uh, the, the boat's being swamped. Jesus is sleeping. They wake him up. He's asleep in the, on a pillow. Uh, verse 38, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is to Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Why was he born? Why did he live? To give his life for us because God cares. And Jesus cares. Do, do you not care, God? And Jesus rose, rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. This word care means, aren't you interested in us? Aren't you concerned about us? This is why you're so fearful. He had proved his care for them over and over, and God has for generations, and yet, under pressure, they forgot all the other times. Isn't that something we can all identify with? We, we don't really know what we would do unless we're under the same pressure as someone else. Somebody say, well, if that was me, I would never do that. Oh, really? You ever been through that before? We'll find out when you go through something like that. We'll just see if it's real or just right. It's a truth or it's the truth internalized. We'll find out. You don't know. I look at people, and we're going through some stuff recently uh, in, our, in our church, and it's been very, uh, a lot of trauma, and, and it's hard. And it's like I've, I've experienced a lot of pain, but I've never experienced the pain of the loss of a child. And it's different to be close to the pain. It's another thing to walk through that pain. Pressure, pressure reveals not, uh, pressure reveals what's really going on on the inside of, of all of us. So you know that person that rubs you wrong, that personality thing, it's not a personality thing. God's just showing up the cracks under pressure. And stuff starts to seep out. Do you care? It's the same thing that Mary said to, and Martha said to Mary in Luke chapter 10, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. New Living Translation says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Martha loved Jesus, but she was distracted, distracted and anxious and thought Jesus should see life her way and fix it her way. God cares. Can you say it? All right, we've got we to settle that or, or the rest doesn't matter. The next is God loves. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It doesn't say God is loving or that God has love. It says God is love. So it's his, it's his being. So, but we accuse God. Why would you do such a thing? If it's not love, it's not God. But sometimes things that don't look loving are loving. But we haven't seen the end yet. We haven't seen the end yet. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 36, I want you to see that God has never changed. He's always the same. It says this, because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them, and he brought them out of Egypt with his presence and his mighty power. Why did he bring us out? Because of his love. Why did he deliver us? Why did he set us free? Because of his love 
for us. In, in Deuteronomy 23, 5, Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because your God loves you. That's why God takes those curses that have been spoken against you, maybe you got raised in generations of, and he turns it into a blessing. And when people curse us, he turns that into a blessing because he loves us. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Nobody's born again at that point in time. Nobody's serving God. For God so loved the world. When did he stop loving the world? So you have a bad day. Does God love me? Are you kidding me? If he loved you before you got saved, why would he not love you after you got saved? If he, if he loved you on your worst day, why, why would he not love you when you have another bad day? Well, God doesn't really love you because you really blew it last week. Well, welcome to the club. We all have bad days. If that was a qualifier, you had to, you had to come and gather as the church of Jesus Christ on your best day and your worst days and every day in between. Because if, if the only reason you come to church is just for you, we're missing the boat. Because there's other people here who need what is in you this morning. God is love, so he provided us for one another. His love is inside of us. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. I, I, well, I was going to say I'll save you the, the old singing version, but never, never promise that. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. Okay. He who does not love does not know God, for God is Okay, have, have, come on, real. Have you ever been unloving? Want to join me with a hand up? You have been unloving? Okay. That just meant we didn't listen to love. When love wanted to speak, we just listened to us. I, I don't always want to do the right thing. Is that, is that okay to say, Pastor Paul? I don't always want to do the right thing. But I've made a decision as a Christ follower that I will always do the will of God. The maturity gauge is how long will it take me to obey. I will obey. I will obey. Uh, you know, but sometimes it takes me a little while to bring my will under his. There's many times in the past when we argued early in our marriage, we argued and, and I didn't want to pray. Now, I know I should pray. I should pray all the time, but I didn't want to pray. You know why I didn't want to pray? Because I knew what God was going to say. He's going to talk to me about me, not her. Because con contrary to the way we are, God does not gossip. God does not talk about you to somebody else. He talks to you about you. All right? So it took me a while to pray. Because I knew God was going to say, Steve, we've got to talk. Because I remember the first time God said to me as I was driving to work, yes, as a pastor, not during one of my 11 years as a Bell Canada man, as a Christian Bell Canada man. No, as a, when I became a pastor, and I remember driving to work one day and God telling me, you better watch how you treat her because before she's your wife, she's my daughter. Okay. You, you, can, tell, you can tell I've never forgotten it, but there are times that I have forgotten for a little bit. She's nodding her head. It's always great. <laughs> but God is love. And if we not love him, we're just saying we, we don't know God well enough yet. 
In fact, the more you go on your journey with God, the better you know God, the more you realize you don't know about him. When you're young, sometimes we think we know everything about God. There's things that God showed me. I thought I was real clear. I knew exactly what, you know, it was really interesting, Pastor Paul. I knew exactly what five-fold ministry were when I started out 34 years ago. Today, not so clear. Do you know why? Because I used to think that God molded us to the gifts. Now I realize that he molds the gifts to the people. Big difference. But there's shades of the giftings. And I'm one that would say, I think there's shades of those giftings in all of us to some degree, but it's all about the call of God. It's not the fact that some are better in the kingdom than others. No, no, it's all about the call of God. And if you don't have the call of God, you don't have the grace of God. Some people, they think they're awesome parents until they actually have children. The thing is, if you don't have children, you don't have grace for children. But once you do have children, you have grace for children. You think marriage can't be so hard, can't be so tough. I was raised in a house where mom and dad loved each other, and I thought that was awesome, and I don't want to get married someday, but you know, talking about married, reading about married, preparing for marriage was a whole lot different than getting married. Now I need the grace of God for marriage. Okay, so God cares. Say it with me. God is love. All right, number three, God is good. God is good, yeah, all the time. But, but do we remember that? Do we actually believe it when it doesn't look like good? Like what happens, like why did God allow that to happen? How can he be a, this are the, these are the questions of the world around us. Boy, we have better have this settled as the church of Jesus Christ. Because the world's going, well, if God is good, I don't know how come he doesn't allow that. Well, if God was going to change your will, he would have changed it in the garden, not let Adam choose wrong, wouldn't he? So interesting how when it goes right, we want to take credit for it. When it goes wrong, we want to blame God. Even people that don't believe in God like to believe God. They like to blame God. But God is good. In Luke chapter 18, verse 19, Jesus said to this man who came uh, up to him, he said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Interesting, interesting sentence here. Why do you call me good? What's your intention? Because no one is good but one that is God. Let me paraphrase that for you. Do you really believe that I am God? That's what he's saying. You, you call me good, but only God is good. And there's only one God. Are you getting a revelation of who I am? That was his question that day from that. Because if God is good, the Father is good, then the Son is good. Because they are. God is good. God saw the light, said it was good. He wasn't taking to a bad land of promise. He was taking to a Come on, a good land of promise over and over. The scripture says, uh, I'm going to rejoice over you for good. I want you to do these things for your good. I'm going to set this up for your good. Why? Because God is good. You've you got to settle it. He cares for you. He is love. He is good. God is good. For the Lord is good. Psalm 100, verse 5. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Anybody got a child's birthday coming up? 
Anybody, anybody shopping for some birthday present? You, you go to the store looking for the very worst gift you could find? Like, what would really tick them off? Like, what would really bother them? What would really be, just really irritate them? That would be so much fun. Like, you're sick. You have a problem. You need, you need help. This is that situation. If you then being evil in comparison to God, because we're not, we're not bad people or parents. We, most parents want their kids to have a better life, want to lay down, will work hard, three jobs, so they can provide a place for their children. Like, that's the, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of pain, and not everybody grew up that way, but, but that's really what we want, and that's where the heart of God is. He's good, and he wants good for us. James 1.17 says, every good gift, every good gift, and every perfect gift, come on, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James got this. God is good all the time when it looks like it, when it doesn't look like it, when things are going good, when things are going bad. God does not change. He cares, he is love, and he's good. Got to settle it. Yeah, but I'm out of a job right now. Okay. Happens. Feel bad about that? So, does God care for you? Does he see that? God, no, yep, God's, God, God cares. Got it. Uh, God loved me. Oh, yeah, nothing changed about the love of God. I'm still loved, favored, highly favored by God. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Is God good even when you lose your job? Or is he only good when you get your job? When you didn't get the promotion or just when he got the promotion? So you got to know God is good so on your wedding day, you can celebrate the goodness of God, but you have to remind a friend when they've been rejected by that person who said they would never reject them at the altar when they get rejected. You have to remind them God is still good even though bad stuff happens. God hasn't changed. You can still trust God. Your future is in God's hands, not in a person's hands. This is real life. We go through real stuff. But God cares. He is love. Come on, he is, he is good. He is good. And here's the fourth one I want you to understand. God has good plans for your life. Not everybody, not everybody in your life, in your world, in your family, or your workplace has good plans for you. Nobody I grew up figured I would do this. I didn't figure I'd do this. God's got a sense of humor. I had the honor years ago to go back and preach at my home church where I grew up, the First Baptist Church, Simcoe, Ontario. I never saw that coming. So I taught on the, on the power of a seed, and I honored those that were there, my Sunday school teachers, school teachers, high school teachers that were all part of that congregation. It was an amazing opportunity, but I wanted them to understand that God still does miracles. <laughs> And uh, it's not about how good we are, it's about how good he is. And that he has plans for us even when other people don't. Because I got the goody-goody two-shoes and the the church kid and the, you know, angel and I knew all that. But, you know, I didn't get the plans that people had for me. I got the plans that God had for me. And that was bigger than what I would have thought myself. Jeremiah 29, 11, maybe you know this verse. It says, for I know, God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Yeah, I know they said, I know what people said, I know what they think about you, but this is what I think about. These are the thoughts that I have about you, 
says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, what? To give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. A future is not exciting. I'm old enough to know a future is not exciting if you don't have hope. The biggest struggle in my life at this point in time is keeping hope alive for next season, what God has that I can't see. Because if we don't have hope, we don't see a future. But God says he knows his thoughts towards us. He's got a future and a hope, and he's not caught unaware. When it surprises us, it does not surprise God. As Beth would remind me many times, when we found out is not when God found out. So he's got this. We have a forerunner, Jesus Christ, who went before us, not just behind the veil in his presence, but he goes before us even today preparing for what we need in our future. It's there waiting for us. No matter what we face, he wants us to trust in his care, stay in faith and resist the doubt. Romans 8, 28, Paul said, we know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, that's a great verse. But that's not enough to say, according to the gospel that Paul preached, or according to the revelation that Paul had, it must now be according to the revelation that Steve has. Fill your blank. Put your own name in there. Do I believe that God is able to do that? Do I believe that God is able to work all things for good to those who are called according to his purpose? Beth has this little habit every once in a while she'll go, it's all good. It's all good, Steve. Just relax. It's all good. And I'm going, it's not all good. I know God is good, but this is not good. What I do know is that God can bring good out of bad. This is bad. This is not good. This is bad. You know, she's trying to say, chill out. Just trust God. I know what she's saying, but it just kind of provokes me a little bit. You know, we're supposed to be provoked. All right? We're supposed to provoke each other. Did you know the Bible said you're supposed to provoke each other? But to love and good works. Not just bug each other. We're supposed to love each other and provoke each other to love and good works. Ephesians 2.10, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's got some plans for you to walk out. He's got some people for you to talk to. He's got some places for you to work and invest in people and influence people where you work every day of the week. Allow the spirit of God that's within you to demonstrate and to carry what? The care of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, and know that God has a plan for your life. That's how we get to live. But I forget, you forget perhaps at times, and we begin to wonder when our world begins to shake, and we have to go back to square one, does God care? Or is he just sleeping in the boat and doesn't really care what happens to us? You really think the boat would go down with Jesus in it? You really think there's no hope when Christ lives in us? The spirit of Christ, the spirit of grace, the spirit of peace, the spirit of comfort, the spirit of joy is in us. And it's his presence often as we gather together and we worship together that stirs this presence within us and reminds us of his care for us and his goodness and his love for us and his plans. Peter had a revelation, chapter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
that he may exalt you in due time. In due time means it's not the way they want it yet. In due time. God's timing. I have never found the timing of God early. Personal experience. In due time. Usually that's when we finally go, okay, God, whatever. <laughs> It'll be sometime usually after that. Because the God of creation wants to keep track of the clock. And in due time. Now listen to this. This is Peter's revelation. He, he wants us to get a revelation. Casting all your care, anxieties, apprehensions, concerns, fears upon him for he, come on, cares for you. Nothing new. Bible from the start to the finish, God cares. That's the point. He cares about everyone, not even the ones just sitting here, not the ones who just responded to his love today. He cares for the world. He's carrying people right now, but they don't know it. They don't know it. That's our job to let them know. This word cast means to throw upon, means to, to fling, to fling. Take your care and fling it. Take your care. See, see your care. Whatever your care is, anxiety, we all got cares. Put your care in your hand this morning, right now. Just do it right now. Put your, put your care. See your cares in your hand. Vision what they are, and we're going to cast our cares on the Lord. We're going to fling them, and the whole intent is that we don't pick them up again. The problem is, we come to church, great message, we fling it down, and we pick them up on the way out the door. <laughs> been there, done that, right? Got the t-shirt. We've been there. How about today, we just trust in the care of God. Father, we just take these cares right now. Oh, Father, we just take these cares that are bigger than us. We know that. Beyond our own strength, we know that. So we stand on our weakness before you, and you said that when we are weak, we are strong if we allow you to work in us and through us. And we take these cares, and we cast them at your feet today. Just throw it down, throw it down, just throw it down at your feet. And we just trust you, that you care, you got this. You're a God of love who will never forsake us. And you're a good God. And you have a good plan for our life. your heads bowed this morning, let me ask you this question. Maybe you're here today and you go, wow, I never knew that God cared for me, let alone loved me. I just thought I was doing life. No, you survived this long because God's caring. He wants you to get to the place where you can say yes to him. Maybe you heard about God. That's not the same thing as knowing God. The problem is not that God knowing you. He knows you. He watches over you. He listens over you and he's waiting for you to cry out to him and say yes to his invitation.